Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I'm in the holiday spirit as everyone's stopped really. It seems, according to my inbox anyway, where it's the first two weeks of the kids' holidays in England and it really feels like everyone is just taking their foot off the gas a little bit, which has been quite nice. So I'm getting to the end of my to-do lists. I've got a day of podcasts ahead and I've not got a deadline looming or a client shouting or anything like that. So the gods of email and the email inbox are being very kind. And this is just exactly the feeling I wanted to have to talk to my next guest. I've got John Henry Pickup, who is the CEO of Butlins. And we talk about the reboot of the Butlins brand that they're currently going through. Really exciting times for them, exciting times for the holiday-going general public as well. And we talk through leadership, we talk through building teams, and we also talk through John's career, which is so impressive, from management consulting to Aldi to Tesco to Travel Lodge to Prezzo, or Prezzo, should I say. And at the last thing that he's doing right now, at least, is the CEO and the leader of Butlins. So really excited for John in terms of what he's got to say and really excited to hear about the journey he's going on and what the future holds for him, his team, holiday goers and Butlins. So it gives me the most red coat staycation pleasure ever <laughs> to introduce... Actually, my very good friend, Mr. John Henry Pickup. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Excellent. Yeah. Really uh, nice day today. Really excited. Um, We're just saying before we started recording, um, like, I feel like I've got to the bottom of my to-do list and I'm kind of getting into that holiday mode and it's not a feeling I have very... But then I have two hours or three hours where I think, oh, what, what should I do now? Should I tackle that? Should I do that? Should I think ahead? And then you start getting the guilt. And yeah. then you start going, 
oh, I'm not busy enough. Yeah. What's going on? So, yeah. But you're not long back from holidays. I am not. Still feeling quite chill. It's still in there. It's still in there, which is yeah. uh, which is great. So and we, it wasn't any holiday. No, it was awesome. We were in Japan. So, yeah. um, I, ju- just brilliant. So, so my kids are grown up now. Mm. So... Uh, Oscar, who's my eldest son, he's 22. He's about to move to China um, at the end of next month. Um, Karis is my stepdaughter. She's 20, so she's at uni. And uh, Hugo's my youngest. He's about to go to uni now. So, look, the reality is they're probably not going to come on holiday with us for much longer. So we have to do something cool in order to uh, to get them along. And uh, Japan was just uh, absolutely astonishing, like nowhere else I've ever been before. And I'm not... I'm not really much of a beach sitter. I can't. I don't mm. do that very well. Ants in your um, pants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get a bit twitchy after a day or so. Yeah. Um, uh, but just the, the the range of experience, the places that we went to, so different from anything that that you experience over here, and it just broadens your horizons, doesn't it? You yeah. think about things differently. Was there any awesome. frame of references that you had out there, or were you just totally bewildered? Or um, no, it, it, it it's. It's different. It challenges you to think in a different way yeah. about everything to do with how you behave, how you travel, what you see, how yeah. you eat. Yeah, F- food was a big part of it as well because yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that, that's massive. And and uh, I think it's really important to understand that what might seem odd or weird to mm. you is just the norm for other people. And, yeah. and I don't think we're great at acknowledging that other people are different and they do things differently. Yeah. And, and you know that's all right as well. Well, there's a bit of how could they. Yeah, you know, especially food and drink, you're a bit like, how how could they do? That? Oh my god, you know. Yeah, but it is. It's just a way of life and the way that they've done it. And what? but yeah, I mean, I, I felt like Godzilla when I was over there. Do you know what I mean? It was like just people like looking up at me, like, holy Absolutely. crap, who's this guy? Absolutely. But, Weirdly yeah. enough, the hotel we stayed in in Tokyo uh-huh. had a massive statue of Godzilla on the outside of it. I mean, Brilliant. Who, but who does that? You know, this oh. is a hotel. Oh, let's stick a Godzilla on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, wow. I remember there was a lot of audio marketing yeah so there was this place called gogo curry okay i think it was called right and it was a little chain yeah and that was just on the outside of it there's a speaker just going go go curry go go curry go go you know just as you stood outside yeah um and ordered your thing on the vending machine yeah. and, and all that but yeah it was so what about food highlights and all that when you were over there we were on the subject uh the range was incredible. Mm. So we, uh, at one point, we stayed in a place called Hakone, which was a very traditional ryukan, uh, and you ate what, what they describe as uh, kaiseki, which we'd know as um, as a formal tasting menu. Right. So, the, so the food quality is just unbelievable. Yeah. The, the, the level, the standard is brilliant. But at the same time, then you go down the road and you're, you're in Tokyo and you have this thing called Memory Lane, which is also known as Piss Alley, where uh, historically nothing's changed. You get these tiny little restaurants, 70 of them in a row, yeah. um, and you just eat whatever it is that they cook. And yeah. still the standard's really brilliant. And was it just like one thing per unit? Yeah, absolutely. So 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 most of the time you'll get skewers or, or you'll get tempura and and, and that's it. And yeah. you've got two people stood behind a tiny counter. They ram 20 people into this space. Yeah. I think the health and safety guys would be going nuts at this point. Um, Don't know if there is such a thing. <laughs> but standard, awesome. Yeah. And so the, so the range of things is just, it teaches you to... to spread out a bit and, yeah, and, and yeah. challenge yourself which was which was great and the kids got involved so nice. it was awesome it good was awesome. stuff so new jobs and yeah. new horizons and yeah. new challenges and all these things absolutely um, which we'll definitely come on to but it's going to go 
back a bit because you've got an interest in not checkered history, but you know, you've got an interest in career progression sure. and you've been in a lot of kind of yeah, high performance places quite early. So yeah. that sort of sets you up in a certain way. So what how did it start out when on this journey to CEO at Butlins? Well, it was I sp- I grew up in Blackpool. Yeah. Um and you've lost the accent. <laughs> I moved away quite a, quite a long time ago. I went off posh. Um, and you know, my my mum was a career civil servant. My dad ran his own business for mm-hmm. thirty years. So you probably don't get two more polar opposite views yeah. on how you how you set up your life, risk taking, all of that type of stuff. So so I never really had a a clear view early about specifically what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. All I knew was I wanted to get on with stuff yeah. and I wanted to be self-sufficient. I wanted to look after myself. I didn't want to rely on my parents for stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose I was came out of university. I was in a hurry to, to get on with things, yeah. and, but I didn't know really what I wanted to do. So I start, for, for, my, for my sins, I started out life as a management consultant for, for a couple of years. Yeah. And it was, it was great because you see loads of different businesses. You get to solve problems. That's interesting. Yeah. That's exciting. You work with people who are, you know, normally you're the you're the junior one and you're taking notes and you're shipping stuff mm. around and you're doing the analysis. Yeah. But you work with great people mm-hmm. um, and you see people at a level in meetings that you probably don't in other businesses when you're 21. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the thing that was that was missing for me after a period of time was I didn't really own stuff. And yeah, I didn't you really can manage give stuff. advice, and then people don't take it. Yeah. So, or you, you give advice, it goes well. Yeah. You leave. Yeah. You're not. You're not part of what goes yeah. on. You're not part of the fabric of what goes on. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to do stuff and, and get involved, and mm-hmm. um, that was the that was the Aldi move. And my mum was horrified at the time because she said, "Well, you're a consultant, and that's a cool thing to do. Right. And, you know, I can." You know, I, can, I can talk to my mates about that, and it's it's good status and all of that. Um, and now you want to run a bunch of uh, shops, yeah, German yeah. discount shops, open all hours. Um, uh, yeah. But but it was it was fun, and it taught me loads about what I was really into and what I wasn't. And uh, I had to start from working on the tills. I had to fill the shelves. I had to make sure I ran shops. So mm. I, the good thing with that business is it sets you up in a way that. Uh, you have to do all the jobs that everyone in the shop does yeah. before you can run the shop yeah. and before you can run a, a region of shops. And you had to memorize um, all the prices, yeah. was it that stuff and yeah. all that? Yeah. Back, back then, it was it was all price memorization, oh. which was um, first thing I had to do. You know, my was boss, there a lot of mistakes in that, like a comp- across the company, or do you think it was a low error margin? Uh, I actually think it was relatively low. Oh. It, it, it sounds like a lot. There were 750 product lines, but yeah. there were only... 39 different price points right um so so all the packet of biscuits were 23p and all the tin suits were 19 still remember yeah yeah it sticks it sticks <laughs> um so it wasn't as bad as it as it looked but yeah, it, yeah. it really taught me about you need to know what your team are doing yeah. and that's really stuck with me mm. stuck with me throughout it's re- always quite right? a nice thing like you know i think it was like my, my grandfather was saying to me as well you know back in the day and he was like don't uh, don't ever ask anyone else to do something you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself, yeah. you know. And I always was in a similar vein, you know, like cleaning the toilets or whatever. Absolutely. You know, it's just like oh, do anything you like, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, there's a there's a credibility bit in that, and there's also a relationship bit mm. in that. When you say to your team, "We're all in this together," yeah, you can't just you say drive it. off in your mouth. And you drive exactly. <laughs> you drive off. Maybe you say, yeah, yeah. "See, I'm off for the weekend yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, clean the loos and fill the shelves." Oh, the worst yeah. one is. Uh, the staff's excited about payday, and you go, "Is it?" 
because <laughs> you get so much money. Yeah. You know, it's like you hear that from a boss and you're like, oh, come on, mate, just meet me halfway. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I, I think that then, then you start to lose credibility. And I, you don't want to make people paranoid about the role of leader, mm. but people watch what you do and, and listen yeah. to what you say every day, everything you say, yeah. all the things that you come across with. Mm. And if it's not genuine, you can get away with it for a little while, but mm. after a while... People see through that. People yeah. are smart, and they and they see through what's real and what's not. Yeah. And if you say, "Yeah, yeah, we're all in this together," but you don't do it, it's a politicians' move, isn't yeah, it? Really, it's uh, it's not it's not it's not the way forward. It's not sustainable. I'm now really tempted to ask you the top ten worst things you've ever said as a leader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't, please don't. So, how did you get picked for Aldi? Then was it like a big interview process, yeah. or what? What happened there? Uh, I well. It, Back in the day, because bear in mind this was 1995. Um, Don't look at it, I need to say, don't look at it. A thousand years old. Newspaper adverts were were still still a thing. So the Times appointment section was still a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they they did an ad there and it just got hold of me. So I talked to them, went for the interview process and so on. I mean, life looks so much different now in terms of how you recruit people and also how you make the choice. But back then it was standard interview process so i saw four or five different people um and uh, and and then i went made the decision yeah. um so it was it, it felt like the right thing to do at mm. the time and i was I, I was just moving quite quickly wanting to get on with stuff and how long were you there then uh seven years okay um so i did a, i did a range of roles yeah um some of which i did well some of which i did terrible <laughs> um and that, that's still, that still sticks with me. to say that. You know, I think that's a big deal, being able uh, to say that. Only now. Yeah. I, I think at the time, if you'd have talked to me when I was 28 and I'd just screwed up the regional director uh, job that mm. I was doing, I'd probably be a bit prickly about it. But honestly, I look back at it now and I was awful. Yeah. I, if I'd have set out to do things worse, I don't think I could have designed it in a way that I did. But yeah. some of that was about confidence in myself. I was probably too young to be doing that job yeah. or too inexperienced or not mature enough or yeah. whatever it happens to be. But I started out trying to prove to everybody who worked for me that I knew more than all of them. Mm. Um, and I had all the answers and yeah. that's nonsense. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just bullshit. The, the, the purpose is you, you, you need to, you need to work and gel with your team. And mm. um, if they think that you're going to tell them what to do the whole time, they don't respect you. know, they stop trying. I think it's a natural thing though, isn't it? To, just be the you know fake it till you make it at a certain age you know because yeah. you feel like you're not there yet and you're just protecting anyone getting into your weaknesses yeah. you know that kind of thing yeah and some of that's self confidence and some yeah. of that comes with experience but I wish I wish I'd had somebody who was a, a wise old head at the mm. time who could talk to me and say you know what, that thing that you just did, you're making a bit of a dick of yourself mm. now. So you probably want to think again about how you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the, at my heart, I probably knew it, but I thought this is the way you work in the corporate world. Yeah. Well, I think it is, though. In so many places, you know, it is yeah. cutthroat and, and hard going. And, you know, I had a wee taste of it myself. And, you know, it is hard. It's it's, it's almost like you're two people, you know, you're yeah. your home person and you're, the, you know, you put on the corporate war paint and, and, and kind of go for it. And what... Were the sort of highs there then? What are the things you look back on and go, God, celebrate that or, yeah. you know? Well, th- that that for one, understanding me, what I was good at, yeah, what, good what, I, what I got wrong and how important team was to me. Yeah. That, that, was, that was really key. Yeah. I think the other things, 
it it is a it is a great operating business. If you look mm. at the operating model of Aldi, it's spectacularly mm. good, and that's its real strength. That's how it set itself up. Mm-hmm. And so understanding how simple things can be, how easy they can be to deliver, mm-hmm. and how you make it work for the front of the business, where the shops are, and yeah. work backwards from there. They were brilliant at that, and they they, they pioneered that up front. Yeah. So, so I've tried to take some of that with me. Yeah. I think the other bit that's been useful now is that brand perception and what customers think of a brand mm-hmm. is... It's such a a challenging and tenuous balance that you have to manage. And emotions play a massive part of that. And at the time, I think in the late 90s uh, up to 2000s, Aldi had a perception problem. The quality of the products was really high. The efficiency of the system Mm. was really high. But people used to come into the shop and they would would bring their Sainsbury or M&S carrier bags in, back when you could have a carrier bag. Yeah, yeah. and and they'd load the Aldi stuff in there because they said, I don't want people seeing that I'm shopping really? in Aldi. Even though it's a sensible thing to do, uh-huh. emotionally, I don't want to be associated with this. And I think they've done a brilliant job, actually, in the past number yeah. of years of transforming that perception in the UK from being, it's a logical choice into mm. being, this is a smart thing for me to do. Yeah. So there's zero stigma with it now. Yeah. And I, I still shop in there. You look at the range of people that are in there. Mm. They realize that there's no... There's no stigma with, with with shopping in there, but that took a long time for them to get that right. But yeah. living through that bit at the time where we tried to overcome a um, an emotional hang up mm. for UK consumers with more and more technical detail about why it was great, just just didn't work. So what did work? What was what was the moment that it flipped? It's a, it's a really good question. I, I'm not sure there was a there was a moment. There was a sequence of things that they did over time okay. that I think worked. First of all, they brought a bit more color and life into the store, which, Shit, which it needed. Yeah. It was very utilitarian, very yeah, functional, yeah. and I think they recognised it needed to be a nicer, warmer place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from a product quality point of view, they stopped talking themselves about product quality, and they got other people to do it. So if you look at the number of awards they win, the number of references in places like Marie Claire, newspapers, yeah. all of this, you know, the, the wine is the this, wine the, thing, wasn't the, it? the deli is this, you know, they're the first ones to sell computers at below 500 yeah. quid, et cetera, et cetera. I think we made a, um, I think we took a, did we get a tiny, I think it was called tiny. Right. And it was like a massive, like, you know, bigger than your living room yeah. TV for, you know, buttons. Yeah. Um, but I think the wine thing got a lot of attention and it, it was those brilliant, and this is when PR can be great, just going, this bottle of Aldi wine that's six nine seven nine whatever yeah. is better than a Rothschild, da, yeah. da, 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 you know, yeah. and you're just hooked. You're yeah. like, oh, I've got it. You know, I've got to get that, you know? And I think that, that made a massive difference yeah. at that point because instead of the company saying, we're great, mm. and the customer saying, well... I'm not sure I trust you because what else are you going to say? Mm. When other people that were credible reference points for customers said, you know what, you should try this, and they kept saying it yeah. over the course of five, six, seven, eight, nine years, yeah. then I think people got it. Yeah. The other bit that happened was 2008 because you look at the swing, and it was really rapid for retail, mm. the swing in how much people spent at the supermarket in one shop, how often they went, mm. um, all of those bits. Yeah. We went from big box shopping where well, you do a month awesome. shops into yeah. two, three days worth of stuff. And yeah. Aldi was perfectly set up for that. Yeah. So it was a good range of things. Nice. So what made you make the move? What happened? Um, 
I think that at that point I was um I was thinking about the next stage of my career. I'm gonna sneeze, sorry oh, about this. That's okay. Um I was thinking about the next stage of my career and Aldi's quite um inward focused. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not a big networky type of place. My boss at the time was early thirties. I was twenty eight. I thought you know what, that that route through is not an obvious one in the immediate future. And this doesn't feel like my retirement role. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. And I'm 28. Uh, And I wasn't really clear on what next. So I went to business school then. Yeah. um, And I took 12 months off, uh, did a, did did an MBA for the year and really started to try and drive a network up, trying to, trying to look at different options, different industries, what what was important to me yeah um the the course that i was on was only 30 percent uk nationals mm-hmm. which was which was fantastic and only 50 percent from the eu so it was it was a great range of mm. different personalities different cultures all mm. of that and uh so so that was you know that was that was a good stake in the ground to say okay i need to take stock figure out where i go next yeah. and that uh, uh, uh and that and that took me in the direction of tesco nice um, which was I'd always watched Tesco because they were doing really well when yeah. I was at Aldi, and, and that was a good reference point for mm. us about how to do things well. Yeah. And so when the opportunity came up for that, it, it felt like a no-brainer, really. So with Tesco, then, like, what was the role there, and yeah. how was the selection process for that, and sure. what happened, and all, and all that stuff? Uh, I started out life. The first job that I had was uh, they had an internal consulting team. Mm-hmm. They spent a whole bunch of money on external consultants for right. a while, so they said, "Well, let, let's have our own team, so mm-hmm. we keep the knowledge inside, and we'll partner up people who work as consultants with operators and and mm-hmm. marketers and so on within the business." And that's where I started out, mm-hmm. uh, which was. You know, a good combination of a bit of retail, a bit of consulting that I'd done before, uh, and so I got to work on some some really cool pieces of work. I, actually, they weren't cool; they were they were bad dinner party conversation. But the first the first job that I did <laughs> when I was in there was uh, I, I worked on the um, uh, I worked on the optimization algorithm that sent the trucks to the shops, uh, which honestly it doesn't make me the most interesting guy at the dinner yeah. party, to be honest, but. It was it was fascinating. It's a needed thing, though. And with the scale of that business, we we optimized what we were doing. We we were saving 10, 15, 20 million quid a year as a consequence of yeah. doing it well. Um, and it was a good learning about the difference between getting a good system and also integrating a good system mm-hmm. to enable people to do their job properly. And I think what had happened was the business had got a good system. Yeah. It just wasn't a core, living, breathing part of how the transport managers were working within the business yeah. as well. They, they, they saw it as a as a threat to them, whereas really it wasn't. It was really an enabler. We hadn't sorted that. So that that was that was what I what I did first. Process to get there. Um, that was much more of what you see now, which is relationships with search firms and and, right. and network, yeah, whereby yeah. somebody said to me, "Look, they're looking to try and do this. Does that does that fit what you're?" what you're looking for at the moment. And yeah. then as soon as, as soon as somebody said it was Tesco, I was like, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'm quite happy to come in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not leading the line in the way that I wanted to, but there was a route through and, yeah. and sure enough there was. Well, I think it's really nice when everything all clicks together. So, hmm. you know, you've got the management consultant background already. You've got the retail bit. You've, yeah. This is where you want to go. So it's this nice triangulation, I think, yeah. going in there. It worked quite, and it felt exactly the right thing to do at that yeah. point, and and it was, it was a brilliant experience working there. 
And how long were you there for? Seven years as well. Wow. And then rose to what? What, what did you end up doing? Uh, when I was at uh, when I was at Tesco, the last job I did, I was the um, uh, I was the operations director for stores in Slovakia. Okay, so um, a bit of international yeah. living and stuff. Yeah, we, which which was great. So I'm, I only spent of the time that I was there a limited amount of time in the UK. Okay. So I worked in in China for quite a bit of time. I did wow. some work in California on the Fresh and Easy brand, as it was at the time. That's interesting. Um, I lived in Prague for five years. I worked across Central Europe, and uh, yeah, ended up in Slovakia. What about Fresh and Easy then? What went right? What went wrong? It's, it was. It was fascinating stuff, and you look at the the model of putting that together, the mm. work that went into understanding what the U.S. consumer wanted was phenomenal. Mm. There was two years' worth of work from what, at the time, were the two best marketers in the business mm-hmm. uh, who'd gone over to do, to do that work. So yeah. Tim Mason and Simon Ewens were, were, were brilliant. I mean, they, they were... They, they were top of the tree at the time in the UK, and uh, they went over to to run that. They 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 lived with families to understand what their shopping habits were oh. and talk to them about what they cooked when during the week and how they wanted that delivered and so on. So the business was just set up. Mm. In theory, you know, the the structure of it looked as though it was going to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, but we think we're quite similar to America because we speak the same language, but we're, we're we probably different. not in the slightest. Yeah. And th- there are loads of uh, really great companies who, you know, are broken on the wreckage of the stuff that they did over in the US that just that just doesn't work. But was it not going down a kind of Whole Foods type track? Uh, or was it slightly different? I think they were trying to be a range of things to a range of people. So they right. wanted the quality that Whole Foods were delivering. Mm. Uh, but they didn't want the price. They wanted to take on what was you know, Terry's mindset at the time, which was, you know, we're, we're a full range discounter. So right. get the prices right. Make sure the store efficiencies are brilliant. Make sure the supply chain was brilliant. And all of that was was set up. Mm. My sense of it was as a consumer, you look at what goes well in California. Whole Foods is great. Trader Joe's is also great. But they're real personality-driven stores. You look in there, there's loads of chat about where this product comes from and and, and who the product is. And you look yeah. at Trader Joe's and they have somebody in the store who hand-paints the, uh, the the POS labels and, and, and all this type mm. of stuff. I think the fresh and easy concept felt very clinical, felt a bit too cool for school. Fair, well, I, I almost, you know, I've seen a few case studies on it, you know, market-wise and all that, and I think it felt almost quite rational. Yes. You know, it was just too much. Yeah. It was almost maybe even too clever in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it might have worked here. But I just think that, it, yeah, I think if they'd wrapped that up in a personality thing, it may, it maybe. Yeah. Went a bit it, it, felt, it, it felt clinical. Yeah. It did. And particularly when you juxtapose that with somewhere like Trader Joe's mm. that was, it felt like a surf shack. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and people had got used to that. This, this, I don't think people warmed. Well, they didn't. Yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they took on loads of fights as well. You know, things like the unions and mm. how warehouse works and so on. Yeah, you can only fight on so many fronts at the same time when you that when you're the new boy. And what about working with Soteri? Yeah, he it was. Uh, it, it was a really impressive period of time. Yeah. If you look at the growth in Tesco, even in the time that I was there, yeah, it was it, it was remarkable and. The thing that I always remember about him, we we only had about I don't know four or five days out together at yeah, any yeah. point, and scary. Uh, were you worried when you were? 
Went out with them, or were you okay? Not too bad. I mean, naturally, you get you get a degree of nerves about being out with the CEO, yeah. and he is a very impressive person, mm. and he's very intense. Mm. And so, from that point of view, you have to be you, you have to be on your metal all yeah. of the time. The thing that I I was really impressed with, he always it was always about the stuff with him. He it was never it was about Tesco and about the four points of the strategy. If you listen to any interviews with him. He always wraps it back round to, and it's because of this point of the strategy or that point of the strategy right. about how we're doing things. Mm. And that was so clear through the whole business. Everyone understood that. Uh, it, it was intense and it was it was impressive, but it was relentless. Yeah. And so that sort of hard to love nature of the business sort of sort of came across. Yeah. Uh, but don't get me wrong. I mean, brilliant experience, brilliant period of time, and I think. That part that he did amazingly well, which was understanding it was about the business. It wasn't about him and it wasn't it yeah. didn't feel like it was about ego. Yeah. He had some really, really big players on that board mm-hmm. and yet he managed that extremely well. Yeah. And so it never felt like it was a you know, it was an ego contest. It always mm. felt like it came back round to what are customers telling us, what's yeah. happening with the strategy, where are we going with that? Let's get the job done. Yeah. And what about um just on we're on supermarket stuff. What you seen about the e-com side of things and the the delivery and the triangulation of, you know, the the sort of restaurants now yeah. getting into fast casual and yeah. well, it's all quite interesting period, isn't it? Uh, it's blurred lines across the board, yeah. isn't it? Now, um, you know, you saw the move with retail. The bit that we talked about before with two thousand eight and Aldi and people shopping differently. Mm. That's gone again with home delivery. I think as people get more confident that what they get at home is what they're expecting to get, uh, that they don't get bonkers substitutions and they don't yeah, get out-of-date yeah. fruit, uh, it, it's, it's it's moved on dramatically. But also, you bring in things like HelloFresh, what's happening with Deliveroo and Just Eat, uh, and the, the blur between what's cooking at home and what's going out yeah. and what's eat-to-go. And then you see Yazda move. They're not getting their... You can get an Asda pizza cooked. Yes. And it's just bananas, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's more more blurring again. I heard somebody yeah. talking about this, and they were saying about eventually the game will be for percent of stomach, which is a horrible phrase, <laughs> um, and, I, and oh. I hate it. But then but then does that mean that, you know, if you're a restaurant or you're a, you're, you're a fast casual, you're competing with the likes of HelloFresh, or you're competing with... God forbid, Amazon or whatever it happens to be in terms of yeah. where, where you get hold of people. It's going to be interesting to see where mm. that move is as well with Amazon. You're, you just feel like they are, it's almost a bit stranger things, you know, the things just kind of, <laughs> the glows coming from the wall and it's going to burst through at it any time. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. So then 
Travel Lodge yes. after. Yeah, that's right. That that's a that was cool and fun, right? That was a good place it, that, to be. It, it was okay. If, if I look at where, didn't where have Lenny I was Henry, at the time, though, which is disappointing. It didn't, didn't have Lenny Henry, although loads of people confuse that all the well, time. There is that, and also with Aldi Lidl, there's yeah. a brand confusion as well. So yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, well, you'll sure. take that rub off if. Uh, that was that was totally money. fine. They yeah, were yeah. spending a fortune every year, and they were the brand leader. And mm. we got a sales bounce every time Lenny Henry was on TV. Sorry. I still remember getting a letter in the customer care team from somebody who said, "These people in this particular hotel have done a brilliant job, and I think what you should do is get Lenny Henry on one of his adverts to talk about uh, to talk about your team." I was like, "Yeah, if I could do that, that would be <laughs> impressive." Um, but no, and that's that overlap and perception was was Actually, was very common. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was great. But from my point of view at the time, um, I, I I wanted to try and broaden what I was doing. Mm. The, the 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 chief operating officer role gave me a broader range of stuff to do, but obviously in a much smaller business. Yeah, and but it seems like a huge business to me. But to yeah. you, you know, probably is a lot small. But yeah, wow. Well, it was only in reference. That's the interesting thing in reference to Tesco. Yeah. Even though even though Travelodge is a big old business. Mm-hmm. It was one percent of the turnover of uh, of Tesco, which is where retail just is is completely different yeah. from most other things. Yeah. Food retail, particularly. Yeah. And, and what were the differences? Um, the key change for me when I first got there was uh, you you forget with something like Tesco that the infrastructure is set up for you, mm. so stuff just works. And you go to a different business, and y- you have to make things work right. and. I'm I'm sat there thinking, well, why isn't this happening? Uh, and then it's just something that the business had never done, uh, and that was particularly on things like customer and voice of the customer yeah. and team and voice of the team. We we'd we'd not really got into that at all yeah. at the time. And what I hadn't really appreciated, and this is this is what can happen with private equity, and we've seen it a lot recently with restaurants, for example, mm. is a, is a good example. Um, the business the business was probably bought for too much money with too much debt back in 2006 probably and we were in the background struggling to really service the interest on that mm. and so all the stuff that you plan to do with the business case was to reinvest in the hotels upgrade the standard keep working on the team keep mm. working on training but all that money was going to to paying interest so we, we weren't able to do the things that we needed to do we'd really not faced into looking after the customer yeah uh, and and suffered as a result. Mm-hmm. You can see it in the standard of the rooms, the standard of service. We focused entirely on this is the cheapest way you can stay anywhere. Yeah. And you know, you look at that uh, Harvard Business Review of what really matters in 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 companies to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and rule number one is always better before cheaper. And we weren't. Yeah. We we were just cheaper. Yeah. Um. So so Premier and we're winning the race. And how is it going now? Do you know? Yeah, they're, they're in really good shape. Oh, they're doing good. Um, and I'm really pleased to see yeah. that because if you look at the cycle of a lot of businesses, we had that struggle which was 2010 to 2012. We went through a restructuring in 2012 mm-hmm. when there was a CVA that was done and um, a few of the hotels were exited. There was a debt for equity swap, so the owners lost essentially their stake and mm-hmm. the and the, the lenders took over. Not many of those succeed, but what I'm really pleased about is we set up a good plan at the time yeah. that you know the, the Peter and the current team are doing a brilliant job with, mm. um, and that's now a business that's in really good shape. And I'm, I'm I'm so pleased to see that you know a lot of my mates still work there, yeah, yeah. and 
I, I think they're doing a brilliant job. Well, I think um, it's interesting you're saying about CVA and stuff because you don't tend to hear about that yeah. in hotels as much. You know, no. I mean, obviously it's the buzzword in restaurants, but um, yeah, you just, I don't know whether it just doesn't, in my radar, it doesn't seem a criminal thing to do or whatever, but you know, it's it's really got a bad sort of press, I suppose, yeah. within, the, within the press and within the public perception. So, you left that. I mean, this is where we met. Actually, we met. We were away in a an overnighter, weren't we? we were. in some posh gaff. That's right. Was it Clevedon? Is that what you call it? It Clevedon was House? Clevedon. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where Megan and Harry had their, or Megan stayed overnight before the wedding. Yeah, like that. that was probably normal for them. It was a bit smart for you. And yeah, all yeah, it was a bit posh. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we're luckily taken away and, and and all that. And there was Odeon was there, wasn't there? That's right. SSP. And yeah, Hollywood Bowl. Other, Hollywood Bowl. And yeah. A few others. So anyway, we did that, but. Uh, so then we caught up a bit and you know we always threatened to do something together and then you made your move yeah to Prezzo yeah Prezzo 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 is it that was the way I always got so, well here you go my, my son when we were having a conversation about this yeah. I said is it Prezzo or is it Prezzo and he said in, in the way that 18 year olds can because they have life certainty don't they he said uh, well obviously it's Prezzo isn't it so he said well you don't <sighs> you don't call it a pizza do you it's a pizza so it's Prezzo and that's how that's how well, I stuck with it. Works. So I'm like, well, I'll buy that, so I'm yeah. gonna stick with that. So for me it was pretzel. So the reason for going there what happened? You know, why why did you fancy that one? Uh I've been talking to Peter, who's the CEO at uh, Travelodge for a bit of time about yeah. what next for me. Mm. And we were trying to uh go through the normal cycle of selling the business at the at the end of 2015 and i said look next time around i want to go and run something myself mm. uh, and it's the right time for me to do that because mm-hmm. to to really have stuck my life into the next ra- round of travelage which would have been great that would have meant 10 years in the same job mm. I-, I wanted to find out whether i could run a business or not yeah, yeah. um and uh, so I looked at a range of options over the course of about a year or so, mm-hmm. and the, the the pretzel one was really interesting for for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. That uh, it was it was something that I knew it fit with the things that I'd done. You know, multi site guest facing stuff mm-hmm. uh, seemed seemed to fit quite well with with what I did. How um, many seats was it? Three hundred. Jesus, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's it's serious. Four brands. 300 restaurants, you, you you wouldn't naturally have known that. Oh. And, and that what was, was the four? Part of the issue. You so, so you have Pretzel, you have Mexico, which was the new Mexican development, Chimichanga. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there was a steak and barbecue restaurant, which was only in a couple of locations right. down in Surrey. Uh, but it's still, even with two restaurants, yeah. it's still a brand. You still have oh, to try and do something the work's with it. The work. um, so, you know, I, lo- I looked at it, I could see from a customer point of view needed some work from Ooh. a team point of view needed some work but the business was uh, at the time fairly solid mm-hmm. tpg who were the owners yeah. um were were not short of money yeah. um so i thought well this is going to be a stable structure but there's still a bunch of things that i yeah. can do with it which which work quite well yeah uh so so it felt relative to other things that i'd looked at more in the range of what i wanted to mm. try and do and the thing that I liked about hospitality compared to retail, a lot of similarities between mm. the two and how you do stuff, but it feels, with hospitality, it feels a bit more human, feels a mm. bit more like you can bring your personality into play. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that felt like an environment where, where where we could do that. And I think 
you know, we'd sort of met a couple of times around the time when you went in and, you know, what what were your first challenges then when you were going in? What what was the, you know, what was in front of you or what decisions yeah. did you have to make? Uh, team, first of all. Mm-hmm. But I think even before that, what, what you don't get told when you move into a, a leadership role is mm. that you're going to be faced with everything and nothing at the same time Mm -hmm. so there's nothing you actually have to do as a ceo of a Mm -hmm. business you 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 don't physically have to do anything it's not necessarily part of your job description to do anything Mm. i suppose you know as a statutory director you've got some safe and legal requirements that Mm. you have to make sure happens um but on a day-to-day basis you don't have to do everything uh, anything but everything is also yours so you can you can start by tackling all of it right and I think uh, Warren Buffett said the thing to remember as a CEO is that it's important that you have to say no to almost everything. And that's not natural when you're first in there because you want to yeah. you want to be positive and you make want to be dynamic. Difference. And you want to make a difference. Yeah. And you want to do stuff. Uh, but actually the stuff that you ought to do is probably really, really limited. Mm-hmm. It's probably only about 2% of what you could do. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's not something you really get educated with before you get into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what I wanted to do first of all was get my team right. Mm. That's, you know, back, back to the lessons of Aldi and, and, and the stuff that I got wrong. Yeah. I thought, first of all, I need a team of people who are my leadership team, who yeah. I, I really buy into and they, they buy into me. And there were clearly some challenges at the time where mm. we, we weren't, we weren't set up very well to do things. Um, Jonathan, Kay, who mm-hmm. who was the owner of the business and the, the whole family, they, they they know this area really really well. Yeah. He definitely ran things as him in charge, mm-hmm. and he had a team of people who did things for him. Right. Uh, from my point of view, I didn't really want that setup. Mm-hmm. I wanted people who were going to, you know, knew, who knew their stuff, who were capable of delivering at that sort of scale mm-hmm. of business. So the first thing I wanted to do was set about making sure that that was right, because yeah. I was never going to do this on my own. And also, that's a long track, right? Because anyone yeah. worth their soul is usually three to six months yeah. out of reach. No, absolutely. So, yeah, what, what did you do kind of in the meantime? And that that's that's also the challenge, which yeah. is whilst you get your team in place, how do you keep the business moving forward? Mm. And how do you get clear on what it, what it is it's going to stand for? And I think that the other bit that I would have done earlier if I, if I could now, and, mm. and I think he's really important, is really understand what the proposition is. Mm. And and I think that had been an issue with, with Pratt. So I know it had been an issue before. I don't think I really got into that early enough, that the mm. marketing element of it, of knowing your proposition, knowing what it is that you're going to stand for, yeah. how you're going to communicate that with guests. Yeah. Pratt had done remarkably well over a period of time by having a very clear site location plan mm-hmm. it got into you know secondary cities smaller towns market yeah. towns and so on really well and by having a really tight cost control so that it was clearly profitable and it mm-hmm. could open with limited sales per week and still make money right you run out of space with that after a while and the identity of what it was wasn't particularly clear yeah it, it didn't kind of hang its hat on one thing no. um i think there's a lot it was almost like moving into a, a, a blank house in a way you know or, or a house that's ready to yeah. move into the, the magnolia and that it was ending up quite vanilla yes but then the possibilities were huge yeah but i guess the worry i had was you know you were going to have to 
figure something out and then put all your chips on it. Absolutely. And it was a big gamble if it didn't work. Absolutely. So that was really tough. And then there was the dreaded CVA stuff that you had to go through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the right Look, the, thing to do. I, I, I think so, because looking at what was happening with the environment at the mm. time, the you, you could see the warning signals about what was happening, not not just with the space, but also with the business. Mm. You know, at the time when I got there, we were, you know, we'd lost 10,000 customers a week. Um, oh. And we'd overcompensated for that by putting prices up. And so we had a value for money issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't think we had... Uh, really thought through how we were going to tackle that. Mm. And when you then suddenly hit the headwinds of, right, there are too many restaurants in the UK yeah, yeah. and not enough of them are good enough. Yeah. When you're struggling with value for money, you're struggling with an identity about why people go to you. Yeah. That goes away from you really quickly. And the other thing is as well, whatever your bright idea is, that's a shed load of places to refit. Yeah. And figure out and, you know, so, you know, I, I hope it's going to go well with, with Karen and all that. Yeah, but, likewise. But basically, I, I think I saw some work was with the identity got changed, but then you're not going to see that identity come through the full, because you just can't, you can't it's un- unaffordable. No, it, it takes you know? it takes a period of time, time. To, to really get that done. Yeah. And when you're already at a situation where people are moving away from you, you yeah. have to work really hard and get ahead of that. Yeah. That was part of the reason why we went into the CVA at that point, mm. you know, it, it's certainly never my desired route through a business to, no. to make that work. But it was clear there was a core of the business where the restaurants were really good. Mm. And then there was a bunch of them where the business had opened too quickly yeah. and uh, overexpanded, not opened well. Uh, and that was a massive anchor on the core mm. that was actually pretty good. Yeah. And we tried all sorts of things to try and work our way through that. Uh, but in the end, th- this was the only way we were going to take real serious action to to set the rest of the business up to to, yeah. to survive. Yeah, and you can see in other businesses where that hasn't worked so well because often with these things, it happens too late, it takes too long, people spend too much money on the professional services fees. Yeah, yeah, and also just being an Italian full stop is yeah. is really hard. You yeah. know, to to create something that's so craveable, you know, that you would want to come out the house for. You know, it's, it's very difficult, very yeah. difficult. It, it's, it's a tough gig because whilst on one hand, you look at the stats that say, most people say Italian or pizza, first of all, when mm. they're saying what's, what's top of your mind, and more people than other types of food say they like this. Mm. The, the downside is you can, you can make pizza pasta at home, and there are loads of them who actually do it quite mm. well. And there are still businesses in the Italian space that are doing yeah. a decent job at the moment. Uh, it's it, but it's a crowded market. Yeah, definitely. So made the decision to leave there. Yeah, and you're looking around. And did you take some time out, or did you just uh, instantly get back into something else? I, I, I wasn't. I didn't take time out. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, awesome at doing that. Really. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe one day, uh, but but not right now. I wasn't. I wasn't ready to do that. Uh, and what I wanted to try and make sure that I did was something that made me smile. Mm. And it, it fit all of the other bits that I enjoyed doing. So I enjoyed the team bit. I enjoyed the customer-facing bit. Uh, I like British brands. Yeah. You look at all the things that I've done. I, I, I like the, mm-hmm. the the British element of stuff. Yeah. And also, the places that I've worked have been 
value propositions, mass mm-hmm. market, democratic, available to everybody. Yeah, th- there's something about something about Blackpool in me from uh, that. Yeah, says, well, holidays you know, I, like, and I like that kind of that. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you look at the opportunity with Butlins. Paul, who's our group CEO, I've known for a number of years. He was at um, he was at Premier Inn when I was uh-huh. at uh, when I was at Travelodge, and who I worked with really mattered and mm. the personalities of the people that I was with, the culture of that. And when I look at my company, not Butlin specifically, but Born Leisure as mm. a whole, the business has a really long-term outlook on what they do. You know, it's a family-owned business still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the culture and the personality of the brand is lovely mm-hmm. as a whole. You know, it's really they're really nice people. And, you know, frankly, I, I'm really fortunate because I get to go to work with people who are on holiday by the seaside. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's not to like, yeah, yeah. you know? So how much time do you spend at home, at a head office somewhere, in yeah. site? How yeah. many seats are there? There are three. Three, uh, three main ones. ones. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm exactly two and a half hours from each of them. Uh, so oh, that's yeah. quite handy. Coincidence. I, I'm I'm at least as far away from each of them, which is that's which is a bit right. painful. But uh, I, it, it really varies. So yeah. for, so for the first six months, I probably spent eighty percent of my time in the resorts, which was great because I got to really learn and yeah. understand how the business works. And what did you think? What did you like about it? What did you sort of not like about it? it came out in a rash about what, yeah. what were you thinking? It 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 feels. You know, if you look at how the UK perceived Butlins as a mm. whole, it has quite a Marmite impact on people. I don't think... Because why? I think on one hand, people want Butlins to do well. It yeah. feels like a brand that they want to succeed. It's not a, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a, you know, no offence to anybody out there, sorry about this insurance company or, yeah. or something like that. It feels like something that people would be happy in the UK if Butlin succeeds because yeah. it feels like something that's uh, interwoven with the heritage mm. of seaside holidays in the UK. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I think that there was a sustained period of time where it probably wasn't as relevant as it used to mm. be with the advent of cheap European travel and us getting used to holidays overseas, yeah. you, you parody that up with the, the, the likes of Heidi High. Yeah, yeah. And then I think people start to think, well, that's not really for me. It's something from the past and it's something that's that's probably, you know, not very credible. Mm. Whereas the reality of what Butlins looks like now, when I when I go and spend time there, it's not like that at all. Yeah. And yet, I don't think yet we've really brought that to life for people in the UK again. Because yeah. our, genera- our generation, yes, and generation. those younger than us, I mean, yeah. you're younger than me, but if you look at... Not by much. If you, <laughs> if, 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 take me, I'm 47. I don't really have a recollection growing up of Heidi High as being something that was part of my... My, my, my psyche. Oh, I watched the other day. It I was. That. It was. It was probably the edge of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so, so, so we're probably we're probably the limit of that. Yeah. Below, below our age group, you know, people in their thirties and their twenties, they wouldn't know at they all. Don't, they won't mean anything to them. And yeah. so, I think what we have to do now is really bring to life what the personality of the business is yeah. and what it stands for and what its what its mission is because. Yeah. There's a real opportunity for that now. Well, you may almost have skipped a generation, weirdly, yeah. if you think about it too, where, you know, as being the last of the Mohicans, the last of the Butlins or whatever, Pontins and all these. Yeah. But if you did that, then actually 
we're on the cusp of then everyone going to Spain. Yeah. So actually, it might have the parents of the kids as well. There might be like a generation that just need to appraise the whole thing as a fresh yep. pair of eyes, you yep. know, which is super interesting when you get into Gen Y and Gen Z, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. I think that's really exciting, you yeah. know. But, there, um, there feels yeah. like a real opportunity to bring that to life. And if you look at what made the brand successful originally with how Billy Butlin behaved, you know, he was a real pioneer. He was yeah. a risk taker. He, he, br- he was an innovator. He brought new stuff to play. He really got the guest experience bit mm. and recognized that at the time breaks to the British seaside were dull and drab and, and it was grim if it poured down and, yeah. uh, and all of that. So, so he brought color and excitement and a place where people could get together, but it was also for everyone. Mm. It wasn't a, an exclusive high price, no. uh, you know, re- really it's kind of for uh, the masses. wasn't it? Uh, definitely. Yeah. And he wanted it to be, accessible to everybody he wanted it to be something that people in the uk as a whole could use you mm. know you look at his marketing back in the late 40s the early 50s mm-hmm. he talked about a week's holiday for a week's wages you know he was he was a very creative marketer yeah. if you look at what he did well back then yeah. he got the message across well and and i think that essence is still in there in the brand yeah it's making sure we bring that to life for people and we are you know we, we are pioneering and we are exciting and mm. we are colorful and right now in the you know in the zeitgeist of of, of the moment we've got difficulty with uh, you know people not having loads of money mm. and uncertainty and what's happening with the exchange rate and and and, uh, and, and 52 percent of people being super british yeah and yeah. all the rest of it, you know, uh, so it's uh, interesting. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but also it feels something about the environment at the moment, not not in Berlin, I mean in the UK, mm. feels negative. It feels like pick a side. You're, mm. either, you're either there or you're here mm. and you have to have conflict and you have to, you have to pick apart other people's arguments and it, and it has to be negative. Yeah. What, what we really like when we listen to what guests are telling us is they say, look, I go there, I cast off the monochrome of my normal day-to-day life mm-hmm. and I can let my hair down and just be myself. Yeah. And nobody judges me for that. And yeah. there are other people who do the Unless same. they take it too far. And that, uh, yeah. Unless they strip off and uh, jump uh, in oh, the no, pool. No, no, we can't know. have that. No, no, no. I mean, be- bear <laughs> in mind, limits. loads of people who come to us are families. So therefore, yeah, we have yeah. to, you know, maybe, we're maybe one of the weekenders. behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even, even there, no, no, everybody's there for a great time nobody's looking for that sort of stuff we'll see if we rewind back a bit you know and i'm really 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 want to talk to you about the weekend or the the minehead thing and um do you know what i I did your playlist a while ago of all the bands that were playing on spotify brilliant so i've updated and i was listening to it this morning i was just going oh man this is great so we'll talk (laughs) about that in a sec but so what do you think are i know you've been working on the brand and all that what do you think have been the key things from because this is all it ever is Whatever made you so great in the first place, yeah. golden threads through to now, and you just put a bit of, a bit of relevance across it. What were the what were the fundamentals of Billy Butlin and Butlins then that you, that we we're going to start seeing in, in the new the okay. new vision? Yeah. So fundamentally, this is a, an all action, all activity, sociable environment. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what he created, yeah. and that's what it's still very much about. And if you listen to guests now, they tell us that that's what we're here for. We want to we want you to keep us entertained, and I don't mean stage based showtime entertainment. It's stuff for us that's to do together, where we can get away yeah. from 
what we do in our normal day-to-day lives. And so full of action, full of activity, give me a range of stuff that I can do, whether that's passive, so I I watch something that you're doing, or whether that's active, so I'm engaged with my friends, my family, my kids. But I want loads of stuff to do. I I want to be full on action all of the time. And it needs to be with... uh, other people who are doing exactly the same type of stuff. That's so interesting because if you go to the target audience side of things, it's almost like you said about you going on holiday, you're not a sitter. Yeah. It's unlounger person. Yeah. So actually, in the main, you want someone leading that group that's kind of got ants in their pants or they uh, want to be kept busy. Uh, absolutely. But yeah. that keep us in That's a lovely thought. Yeah. You know, it's a lovely line. Yeah. And, and also, isn't that fun as well? You know, it's something that you can do that's just enjoyable. You know, we, we, we have to... Bring bring a smile to people's faces yeah. and bring, you know, joy and togetherness and a bit of sociable excitement and fun and laughter yeah. and all of those things. And and as life is as it is, that that's a great antidote to that. Yeah. And so 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 that's that's one. That's the mission that people are looking for. Uh, the other bit is we've got to be really specific with which bits of the guest journey really matter. Mm. And, and it's around that. It's not about building flash accommodation. It's about making sure that we are... Well, I think you could have fallen into that trap. Yeah. You could have chased that, yeah. but I don't think that's what people are after. It's a very different yeah. mission to somewhere like Sense Parks, which, yeah. is, which is something that's not the same as yeah, this. Yeah. But this is really clear what guests are asking for there. And so we have to be good at saying... Yes, it's definitely all about this. No, it's not so much about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we have to make sure that we get that balance right. It it is value for money. It's always going to be value Mm. for money. It always has to be, you know, a really accessible, decent value way of having a short break with your family. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to get quality right. Mm. And that's a, that's a really important balance. I don't think those two things are contradictory. You know, you look at a load of businesses who do – Great value for money and quality really well. So I think of, you listen to this week, Greg's, uh, McDonald's, Aldi, uh, Travelodge and Premier Inn, uh, First Choice Holidays. The, these are businesses that have got the bit that says, you know what, I, I can do high quality Spins. and I can do value for money. Weatherspoons, is a, is, they, they've, they've done it for ages. And the great thing with that management team is they really wear the hair shirt on challenging themselves to mm. be better value for guests. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody... Um, Somebody at Tesco once said, the thing is, we've got to take the best quality product that we can and sell it for the lowest price we can afford to, not the highest price we can get away with. And I think that's a that's a measure of sustainability for a value proposition. Yeah. So that that's re- we've got to get that right. That's really important. Yeah. And the third aspect that Billy really stood for that I think is a real strength of our business is the interaction between the team and the guests. Mm. And we've got a brilliant team. I, I'm I'm absolutely blown away by how lovely and wonderful well, you've got so many a team of people entertainers are. at heart. Yeah, which is money can't buy that. No, I, I I think I think it's absolutely wonderful. You know, and we don't recognise enough. You know, we in the the Sunday Times top companies to work for, mm. we're number five. So, and, and that's amazing with a you know with, with a with a team based environment like yeah. that. We we've got to really bring that into play. So those three things: the mission's clear about mm. all activity, us being value for money and really signifying that, mm. and making sure that the team really come to the fore of what we do. Those are three key tenets of what Billy always did, yeah, and made him successful. That we've we've got to we've got to bring to the fore. And 
don't know, maybe somewhere along the line we we hadn't always got all of those things right. But yeah. those are th- th- those are the goals from from our point of view. And I think I think guests would be would be really happy if we got that right. And the book you very kindly sent myself and Robert, you know, was just wonderful, you know. Yeah. But I can't wait to see that brand document. Actually, he's he's, he's kept it for me. But yeah. we'll have a wee look at that. And then you've got an amazing team now. Yes, uh, you got Simon X Wags. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know. That's no better no, pedigree than that, really. He gets it, it and he's he's done this loads of he's times. You know, he did a brilliant job marker. with with Wags, um, yeah. and also he's a really decent guy. Yeah, yeah. And for sure. again, you know, from my point of view, you talked before about you've got your home life and your work life, and you've maybe got a different personality in yeah. each. I think when I'm really happy, I the difference between the two is really small. Yeah. And who I am comes to work, and that's not a problem. It's exhausting yeah. to put on that mask and that thing. And, you know, I did it at Bartley Card for sure. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think when you can just be yourself at all times, it's just a lot less hassle. Yeah. You know, because, again, you're just comfortable in your own skin. But it's a shame it doesn't happen until you're usually about 40-odd. <laughs> and then it kind of, you know, then you kind of go, oh, well, this is it. But, you know, any advice for anyone younger is, you know, just try and be yourself. And, and if that organisation doesn't want that, maybe you're in the wrong organisation, you know. And and that takes a degree of bravery. And you, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think part of the reason why you end up there is either because you like it, but I don't think anybody likes not being themselves, mm. or you're fearful that if I don't fit in, I'll get kicked out. Or just the tribes thing, isn't it? And shame, yeah. you know, if something happens in a tribe yeah. and it, you're shamed and, you know, and also just, what if I can't pay the mortgage anymore? You know, that's a big, that's a big thing. Of course it is. And it's almost like, I guess, being single, you know, or, or you know, going, oh, will anyone ever go out with me ever again? You yeah. know, what if, what if, you know? And I think, you know, you've just got to have that con. You know, put good stuff out there and it'll, it'll come back. Yeah. Uh, so as part of this new revolution stuff, um, yeah. I know you had a meeting with Mr. Gary V. Yes. So, yes. A, I can't believe I missed it. Uh, <laughs> and B, what happened? He's, how how uh, was it? He's an energetic chap, isn't he? Sure. Um, <laughs> I, it, it was great. You know, I had a bunch of conversations with his team already uh-huh. because from, from my point of view, I, I'd really like to bring that personality of our brand to life but in a way that's relevant for the audience now. And yeah. bear in mind, that's not me. You know, I'm a I'm a 47-year-old white bloke, and so therefore I'm not I'm not naturally representative of how people consume information about companies now. And the great thing with listening to Gary and his team is uh, they they really know how to get to and build relationships yeah. with an audience in a way that I would never be used to, and I, and I don't consume. So if I don't do it that way, mm. then how could I possibly bring that to life? But yeah. it's it's fascinating listening to him and his team about how they've uh, how they've really got to grips with and understood the importance of content, the importance of relationships, the importance of how you are genuine. He's a very good long term thinker as well, sure. you know, yeah. and and that 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 resonates with me given what what what, what our business is like, mm. and. So whilst the stuff that he's doing feels very cutting edge and feels very now, mm. uh, at the same time he has a he has a very forward looking view on on how he does stuff. I think that yeah. comes across in his work. Well, I think he's agnostic actually for all he's you know Mister Digital, Mister Social, and all that. I think if you know we're sitting in a radio studio right now, but you know 
if radio became the best thing yeah. to reach people, we would sack everything and go there, you know. But what about the relevant stuff you're wrapping around all this? So you've got the the venue and you've got, you know, some things as age-old as time in terms of entertainment, but, you know, it's the structure that is what people want. What about all these weekenders and the adult things and yep. what's going on? That seems a real pleasure to take that over. Well, that that's, that's fun as well. And yeah. my biggest nervousness with that side of the business mm. and the live music weekends was... Is this going to clash with the family element of what we do? You know, is, is it either going to be at some point I've got to make a one or the other decision? Mm. And fortunately, when, when we've looked at what guests have told us and we've done the segmentation work mm. and you look at the mission type, it's fine. It's complimentary. Yeah. And that's really encouraging because it means that what that adult group are doing and what the family group are doing yeah. is the same thing, essentially, which is I'm going for all action, sociable, yeah let my hair down, relaxation, colour, excitement, noise, activity. Yeah. And so that's brilliant from my point of view because I think that area of the business, the live music stuff, mm. and also the other uh, the, the other events that we do, like the WWE wrestling and the darts and things like that, I think we can really own that yeah. because you can go to a festival, right? Yeah. And and you can sleep in a tent, or if you're you know if you're a posh guy like you, you can have a yurt or something yes, like that. That's what I'm gonna be doing. Um, <laughs> and you can go to some really great venues for events like the O2. Yeah. But you're going home. You know, it's a, it's a day out. Whereas yeah. this, three days, you've got accommodation, you've got food, you've got drink, you've got activities and stuff yeah. that you can do. They, you know, we do a pool party now in in the in the splash in the in the swimming pool on wow. the weekends of these also. So it becomes something where you get a real immersive experience with your mates for three days yeah. and you actually get a proper bed to sleep in yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And you get proper food it's and like drink a rather than festival, isn't it? It's yeah. kinda of like a Yeah. Oh man. But that weekender in Minehead in November, I was talking to a mate about it last night. Yeah. And just the lineup. I mean for me being stuck in the nineties, but Absolutely. you know Lightning Seeds Embrace. It's uh, uh, you, the clone roses, which yes. was pretty fun. Uh, Clinton Baptiste, yeah, the, the, the guy from Phoenix Night. I mean, yeah, that looks so much fun. So Mike, who's really in my does. team, who looks after all the ends, he's brilliant, and you know his relationship with these guys is is so strong. Mm. Uh, I love seeing these lineups, and the great thing for me is. My kids send me. Te- I got a text this morning from from one of my kids saying, "Just seeing the lineup on X. Can you um, can, can you can you sort us out with that one?" And that's brilliant to think. You know, going back to what you said before, the really? generation yeah, bit. Yeah. There's no stigma in his head on uh, Butlins is something from the past. He's just thinking, "Wow, that looks awesome." Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, me that's and my cool. mates want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And so bringing that to light, I I, I think. You know the platform's there for this to be awesome. We can yeah. we can do some really exciting stuff over the next few years. That's really exciting, really cool. So I was thinking about um, a couple of final things. You know, just in terms of you know career advice for people coming through, leadership advice if yeah. people are starting to lead teams or the team aren't, aren't being as high performing as they could be. You know, yeah. what 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 do you, what would you kind of give some some advice on that? So on the career bit. The things that work for me now, now, now that I've learned it, and I think I wish I knew this back in back in my twenties. Uh, write down a list of the stuff that you do in your job that makes you smile. Mm-hmm. Write down a list, and you've got to be really honest with this. Write down a list of the stuff that you do in your job that says, "I wish I wasn't in my job." Yeah. And actually, when when you do that, and you really rationalise it into the stuff that matters, 
you can see quite quickly the type of business that you want to work in mm-hmm. and the type of environment that you want to work in. And the hard bit is that first part. Mm-hmm. Once you've done that, it becomes quite clear because you just overlay that with, right, this job, this business is like that. It's particularly good if you work in environments like you and I have worked in, which is consumer-facing, because you can actually go and sit in these businesses. Yeah. If you work in an office environment, you, you get you know you get arrested for doing that sort of stuff. But <laughs> but but if you you know if it's yeah. a if it's a customer-facing business, go and sit in it and see what the people are like and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. And then you can overlay that. But you've got to start with what really matters to you, and you've got to be really honest with that. That would be yeah. that would be my advice from a career point of view, because yeah. irrespective of whether you think. I went into management consultancy because it was a cool thing to do at the time, and that yeah. was impressive. I also didn't know what else to do. Yeah. I think loads of people think I'm going to go into X or Y or Z because you know that that's what you do. If you know that's an impressive mm-hmm. environment to be in, you've got to do stuff that you love. Yeah. And if you go anywhere, no matter how impressive the business is, if you hate what you do, you'll fail. Yeah. So the starting point is write down the stuff that's great, write down the stuff that you don't like because. Not doing is as important as doing. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's that's the career bit for me yeah. always, and, and I think that gives you most of your answers. Yeah, and then find somebody you really trust, or more than one person who you yeah. really trust, and just chat it through. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what do you think about this? Because you never have all the answers in your own right mm. early in your career, particularly when people approach you, which is what happens much more now. Yeah. It's quite flattering, right? You know, yeah. somebody comes to you and says, "We're really interested in you for this job." Yeah, you know, it's a bit like somebody asking you out on a date. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, that's that's cool. But really, are that, is that the right person for you? Yeah, uh, you have to have somebody who's going to challenge you and say, "Are you sure?" Because mm. I know you, and that doesn't sound like you. Yeah, that really matters. I think that really helps having yeah. having that you know external thing, and I think. It's it's sometimes about your approach to that person as well because you know people with LinkedIn these days and all that you know you're getting umpteen of these a day. Can you help me? Can you help me? Yeah. So I think it's just think about your approach and think about maybe how you can give value back to that person that you're asking a favour from as well. I think really helps. And yeah, and what about the leadership stuff? You know, what do you look for when you're trying to pull that team together, or you know, how do you lead? Or yeah. You know. So so. From from my perspective, the leadership bit is about relationships and rapport. Mm. That that has to be the starting point for me. Is it is this somebody I can get on with? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody who shares my values? Is this somebody that is going to challenge me a bit mm-hmm. and make me think differently? And hopefully I can add something to them as well. Yeah. And if you just end up recruiting a bunch of people who are going to do what they're told. That's a complete waste of time. Yeah. You know, from my point of view, I want people who who will get on with doing stuff and add stuff to my life as well. Yeah. Uh, so so get, getting clear on what, what sort of person that is, what sort of values you're mm-hmm. looking for, what their skill set is. And you have to be really careful about setting people up for success. Yeah. You know, as great as somebody can be, be really careful about uh, about over appointing somebody. Yeah. Because yeah. they'll fail. Yeah. Unless you can do something spectacularly good to support them with that, and you're willing to wait five years to get that right, yeah, you just just be really careful about that. Uh, the The mix of people that are in the room together matters a lot, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of work here with uh, with, with Butlins on on the leadership team. So I look at the first six months. Mm. I spent five times as many hours with the leadership team on 
who we are and how we work together as I did on the stuff that we were doing. Okay. It's very easy to dive straight into task with yeah. your team. Are you spending any time with how you work? Mm. So if you were to do nothing else, then I would read uh, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Okay. Which is really simple, but it's only about that thing. Yeah, so yeah. so it's, a, it's a half a day read, but being really clear on how your team work together and whether you've got examples of that and spending time with them talking that through. Mm -hmm. and by the way, that's not an hour exercise. You need a full day for people to really start to open up yeah. on these things. And we did eight of those before wow. Christmas. On So eight full days with the whole leadership team on just how we work together. And does it get quite emotional? Yeah, it can do. Yeah. It can get to the point where people walk out the room and you have to stop and, and, and regather and, and, and go again. And wow. that's okay. Cause you, you're, you're chipping through what you get to the real root cause of, of what's going on there. Right. Uh, so, so relationship, you know, you, you've got to get that bond. You've got to get the same values yeah. team wise. You've got to figure out how the team interact and how they mm. work together because you might get on with one person. Mm. If they don't get on with the rest of your team, that's that's, yeah. that's never going to work but have you done things like insights or see me yep. or any of these things yeah yep. I, I found that so helpful yeah uh, when i was back at Pret, i thought that was because then you understood why you had difficulty with someone that was a blue yeah you know it was a lot more logical whereas i was mr sunny and hey everything's going to be great and you know just gave a one line what i needed and then walked away kind of yeah. thing and I didn't really understand why they didn't like me very much. And then it was like, oh, right, I see. Right, okay. Right, that, that, that's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Because you look at, if I take our business with Butlins, you've got loads of expressives. You've got loads mm. of yellows um, that are in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, me, I, I'm I'm principally red with subsidiary blue, so I'm a driver so analyst. Purple, yeah. So I'm, I, I, I start with... That's Gordon Brown, by the way, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm Gordon Brown. I think, I think it is. Whose real name, I only learned yesterday, do you know what his real name is? No. James Brown. Is that right? Right. There you go. Just think about how much more fun he would have had I know. if he called himself <laughs> yeah. James Brown. Apparently, yeah. It was on the video yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, un understanding people's personality and then how they knit with the team yeah. and spending lots of time on that is... Really difficult to do, but absolutely vital. I think I I've think never heard of anyone saying that. that. I think that's yeah. a great piece of advice. Yeah. Like, I've never heard of anyone that's really stuck to their guns on it as well. You know, maybe start with good intention and go, oh, yeah. we'll just get done your work. So, yeah. And it's hard. And, you know, my personality type with, with the red element of it, I'm a driver. GFBI. And so, therefore, task list, task list, task list. Yeah. I want to get on with things. Yeah. Taking a breath and doing that is so counterintuitive you have to use a lot of energy to do that yeah yeah, yeah so, you're in the negative energy stuff well the, the nice thing is i've then got so our people director yeah i said to her right you are the custodian of that you've got to make sure we do this and keep beating me with a stick to say Ooh. we've got to make this happen yeah yeah and fortunately she, she did a great job of that we, we have and that set my team up as it is now so i would definitely do those two things yeah the the other one which is a really hard one which is being nice and being high standards are not different. Mm -hmm. Just because you want to be nice and you are a nice person and mm. you get on with somebody, that doesn't mean you shouldn't call people up for underperformance. Yeah. And I would always advocate being really crystal clear when people are underperforming mm -hmm. and talk to them really hard about that. Yeah. There are ways that you can do it. You've got to be respectful. Yeah. You've got to make sure that you talk about the stuff. You never talk about the individual. Yeah. It's always about the stuff that they're doing. Mm. Uh, but if you don't tackle that, you're not doing the individual any favours. Yeah. 
you're also making things worse in the rest of your team because mm. if you see it, everyone sees it. Yeah. And then what you do is you just notch down the level of performance because what you're saying is that level of performance is what I'm willing to accept. Mm. And if you do, there's a decent chance that that will be the level of performance you get as a whole. Yeah. And that's really hard, by the way, because having tough conversations it just goes counter to people who are nice people yeah. because because you don't want to face into conflict, really. You yeah. don't want to upset people. But you, but you have to because it's good for them from yeah. a career development point of view and it's good for the rest of your team and it's good for harmony. Yeah. So I'd say if you can manage across those three bits, that that would one. be us. Oh, it's, it's really hard. You, if you get that right, you're more likely to get your team performing at the level that you want and you'll be happier because it's, it's miserable if your team don't work. But I like you towing the line of it's about the stuff and not, you know, going back to Tesco stuff, it's about, and it's not about personal things yeah. you know, because it can quite easily then you can start picking holes there and then you Absolutely. know so that's a good piece of advice it's, it's nasty that there's no well you don't have the right to do that you don't have yeah. the right to judge people and yeah. say you are this or you are that yeah. I, I just i just don't buy that yeah. whatsoever you do have the right to talk about this particular performance on this stuff yeah and actually calling people names and being rude yeah, yeah. it's just ineffective because yeah. whatever you say after that all they're hearing is is what you told them that you think they are yeah they're not hearing this wasn't very good and so therefore and this is why and what i'd like you to do next is that they don't yeah. hear that all they hear is that you hate them or, or you're crap or you're lazy or you're whatever exactly. yeah, yeah. and no one deserves that yeah, yeah. and and also as a colleague or as a boss no one has the right to say that yeah. I, I don't think I, yeah. I just think that's wrong that's good advice good advice Right, last couple of things then. Yes. Best city to eat in? Long term, I'd say London. Mm. I, right front of my mind at the moment is Tokyo. Yeah. Because it happened and it was just astonishing and yeah. mind-blowing. Quality of food there, everywhere, wherever you go, standard is just so incredibly high. So right now, Tokyo, Tokyo. is uh, Tokyo is my, is my babe right now. Best restaurant? Uh, Azark in San Sebastian. Okay, good one. Uh, Go-to dish, like favourite meal? Oh, bloody hell. Uh, barbecue. Yeah, just a oh, good old yeah. barbecue. Rib, ribs, wings, coleslaw, yeah, yeah. Um, fries, hot sauce. I'm happy with everything you said except coleslaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's a side dish, yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. leave that. You That's can leave a sort that. of veg for a Scotsman, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then go-to drink? A glass of red. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, type? Um, it depends on the time of year. I, I'm, I'm a big Pinot Noir fan. Uh-huh. But it just depends. Really, yeah, exactly. I was about to say old fashioned cause that's just, uh, oh, yeah. but, but, but only one. Ah, true. Yeah. Two is too many. Three's not enough. Is that, <laughs> oh, is that Martini? Um, and then the last one is, um, worst restaurant. What do you, what do you sort of avoid at all costs or have not enjoyed or have had a shocker in? Um, I'm going to cop out on a little bit here, but okay. anything that feels like a triumph of style over substance, right. what I can't stand is stuff that's all about image. I and mean, you, you'll, you'll feel then you'll know this. Yeah. In L- London's good for this, actually, unfortunately. Yeah. S- stuff that's about who I'm seen with, what the status is, yeah. what the you know, pretentious this, that, and the other way of working is, yeah. and the actual delivery of, you know, this is a restaurant, the meal has to be great. Mm. The service has to be great. The atmosphere has to be great. Yeah. Is completely secondary. Yeah, I, 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 I have a massive allergic reaction to that sort of stuff. But you can see it happening oh, all yeah. over the place. Definitely. Cool. Right. 
I'll let you go because I know you're busy. And uh, just really wishing you well in this Thank new you. venture. I've just got really so excited to see Butlins as the comeback kid yeah, um, that, it, sure. that it should be. And yeah, just um, so happy to, to track the success. And thanks for coming in and doing this. I really That's appreciate all. it. It's great. So, yeah. It's been fun. It's good to see you. Thanks, man. Cheers. So there you have it, a real tips and tricks packed edition of the Supersonic Podcast with John Henry Pickup of Butlins. Thanks so much to John for coming in. I know how busy he is, or in fact, I can't even imagine how busy he is. So thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I hope that, you know, you got a lot from the episode. Really exciting. Also, a huge thanks to BDO, our sponsors, and they've just been amazing from day one in supporting us. Thanks also to all of you that are listening. The listening numbers keep going up and up and up. So excited about that. And there's a bit of a bugbear at the moment. Apple has taken away the opportunity for me to see where we are in the charts. So it's one less thing for me to click at night before I go to sleep, but never mind. But if you can just keep telling your friends, keep sharing it in all the social channels and do keep the messages coming in as well. It's really, really great to meet new people and and talk to old friends, you know, when you get in touch. And rating and reviewing is really good for us also. A huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all of their help in putting the Supersonic podcast together you know, week on week. I know it's a ton of work, but thanks so much for doing that. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks so much for listening. And hopefully this episode has given you tons of value that will help your brand boom. Boom.